The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Jared, this Vera Pau saga, it continues uh, after the FAI decided not to renew her contract. So she released this statement last night that people would have seen reported. She repeated a, a lot of what is in that statement today, it seems, in an interview with Tony O'Donoghue on RTE television. Um, and in both, she's very critical of how the FAI managed all of this and how they managed her and, and managed her team. Yeah, um, I don't think this is quite the scorched earth that you might have anticipated that... Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe over a couple of days, everybody begins to go, well, that's what the thing she said. Or it's like, uh, it, it. she specifically went after the executives, which was interesting, as opposed to the players. So, mm-hmm. and that's the way the papers have all reported on it today. The shift is now away from the players. She says in, in the interview, um, according to the early snippets, that she's okay with Katie McCabe, that everybody makes mistakes. She made mistakes. They've had an hour-long conversation. And um, so that's clearly trying to shift the blame onto the FAI, who it seems she thinks we're undermining her authority. And there's a line in the the new interview about, I found out behind my back all things were happening. I found out that behind my back even my staff was talking bad. So who on the staff is she talking about? Is she talking about the people who uh, came with her from Holland or is she talking about the FAI appointment uh, to her staff? Again, we won't know. Uh, Tom Elms Mm. was part of her team, but the goalkeeping coach had, had announced in the WhatsApp group that he was leaving straight away after the tournament and he was Dutch. So I suppose people are going to try and interpret this and see uh, what role the FAI's technical director or whatever the official title is now. But um, he's essentially the new root doctor, Gakum Markhanem, and um, they haven't spoken yet. And the chief executive of the FAI haven't spoken yet. So I think they hoped that the uh, board meeting and the announcement afterwards would be a relatively clean break. Vera has caused a little bit of difficulty for them here because she's very popular. You know, uh, former former players have, have rode in behind her. Uh, Paul McGrath wishing her all the best on Twitter and I think um, fairly casual observers and sports fans which most people who follow the Irish women's team are are like well hang on a second what's, what else are you supposed to do here um, so you know it's uh, going to be a difficult management job for the FAI and they've got to get the next manager right and it's got to be somebody who's not going to say they're undermining me Yeah the other thing though as well is that you know for those casual sports fans her criticism will resonate with what people perceive to be uh, how the FAI operates, you know, yeah. and, and, and I know they've they've had reforms there, and there'll be people listening, working out there, say, oh, that's totally unfair." You know, we're really kind of have cleaned up how our operation. But she effectively says people who have nothing to do with football were involved in talking to my players at the World Cup, well, and well, it's uh, people who weren't technical coaches, who are not technical coaches. Sorry, so yes. I presume but they're all involved in football. Yeah, yeah, but I, I also assume that means that they're not actually executives. The way she's phrasing it, I mean, I the the. Everybody is assuming that she means the technical director whose job it is to run football in Ireland and who, like, mm. you know, you can argue what level of involvement they should have when the team is in camp. Um, we've seen in rugby, David Nusifora is, like, now in tracksuit and on the field sometimes with them, which seems a little bit strange to me, but um, certainly in the... It seems to work for them. And, um, like, I don't know uh, who the English equivalent would be. Is he on talking to Gareth Southgate and being a sounding board and just somebody mm. else who's, who's kind of acting as a liaison between them and anything else that's happening. And maybe in a f- perfectly functioning society in football, that's how it works. But if you feel like somebody is taking over your yeah, role, well, yeah, like taking your seat. That's fine if Gareth Southgate wants that person there totally. as a sounding board. Or Andy Farrell is ha- you One would suspect Andy Farrell is happy that David Nusifora is there. Yeah. Or certainly it's not annoying him to the degree that he's objecting. Yeah. 
the way Vera Powell describes it, it sounds like she didn't want this happening and it was happening and she felt it undermined her. Yeah. Not sure why she didn't sort it out at the time. Pre-World Cup and after World Cup. She says after World Cup doesn't really matter, does it? But no. um, like, so look, I think that this is a situation where there's been a divorce and the mudslinging is going on and the FAI either come out and explain their side of the things or they just appoint somebody new and they say nothing and they move on with their lives and they try not to let anything leak and they start doing their business more privately. Any The, the national manager jobs are big jobs. We've been at a World Cup. There's been huge numbers of people watching it and so it was always going to be a story but um, it doesn't feel like there's a smoking gun here. No. Really. The, the, the other kind of part of the, the the narrative was that, you know, this is kind of player power and we should all be kind of lamenting the rise of player power. And I, I don't know I don't know what you think. For me it that kind of strikes me a little bit like kind of um old man raging against the dying of the light. Player power like is just a feature of the modern These game. kids. Who the well, hell do they think they are having a view on their own careers? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Oh the world's gone to hell in a handcart. Come on. I know. Like Really, do how how are teams going to be able to function in the highest moments of pressure if they aren't able to think for themselves and make decisions for themselves? And when you give people agency, they're going to criticise what they see as bad tactics or uh, stuff that's bad for team morale or or what they thought was like uh, Vera seizing the moment of them qualifying for the World Cup by doing the story with the Athletic and she brings up the Athletic it's like oh I refuted all the allegations it's like but you also like went back to them and spoke to them again yeah you know so but the dictator on the sideline is kind of gone or it's dis- it's beginning to disappear it, it's like you want to be a genius to be able to get away with it yes you need to be absolutely amazing we'd need to have got to a quarter final yeah. where everybody's like well we're not playing great football but like Jesus it's really working and we didn't our male equivalent Stephen Kenny so he's announced his squad uh, for uh, the qualifiers. How much pressure is he under? I think it's immense at this stage because the knives have been sharpened for him for such a long period of time and the results haven't improved to the point where he's got credit in the bank and he can say, well, we've done this and the progress has happened. So they just really need to do something fairly excellent here. They need, certainly they need to draw with the Dutch and they need, if they get beaten by France, for it to be exciting and close and create some chances and it not be 3-0 and then lose 2-0 and then it's like well where is the progress this was the campaign where things were supposed to improve we've got a pig of a draw Um, I do feel like the football has improved I do feel like we've brought through a lot of young players who have gotten very important game time and you hope that there's an opportunity for those players to express themselves Mm. in the biggest stage next time tournament round but uh, we need we again because of the convoluted qualifying series like uh, we need a series of results to go our way across Europe and they're not going our way at the moment so it doesn't look it looks less likely than more likely that we'll get uh, a playoff and under a lot of pressure it's yeah. fair to say Alright One would suspect we'll be talking about that again um, quite a bit in the coming weeks um, Before you go is Mo Salah going to go to Saudi Arabia? Is there a sense of the inevitable about it at this stage? So the 150 million euro bid today that Liverpool turned down Yeah but then immediately the answer was oh we'll give you 200 million so you just turn it down again and then they got 250. And you're like, because the thing about Mo Salah um, is that he is an absolute global icon and it's not something that we kind of fully understand uh, as consumers of the Premier League where he is one of the stars. Mm. Um, You know, for the Muslim world, he is their best footballer. And if you are signing up a new league and setting up, investing all the money that you have, he is the absolute champion that you want to be playing for you. And it's not that big a deal for him to go and live in Saudi Arabia. You know, it's not quite the Jordan Henderson 
decision to uproot yourself and give up being captain of England. It's like uh, Mo Salah can easily go there and uh, it, it's a, a far more culturally easy for him to yes. fit in. Right. So if you're Saudi, you want him and at some point he's going to go. It's the telescoping of the time between when you think it's inevitable and it actually happening. Yeah. And it, the time is definitely becoming shorter and shorter. If you're Liverpool, you have to accept that it's going to happen. And so I think the only thing to do is to say, all right, Mo, here's an extra boatload of cash to say one season or do the deal and somehow loan him back for the season. Yeah. But like, you don't have to pay us 150 million or you could, we'll take 150 at the end of the year, but you have to give them to us for the end. You know, okay. some... Well, it's just maths. It's basically, if you give us 200 now, but we want to keep for a year, are we willing? Is Mo Salah, in his current form, worth 50 million quid for the next year? And like, they made 120 million from qualifying for the Champions League final year. They got beaten in it. So, do you think you're more or less likely to qualify for a Champions League final and make all that money again? You're far less likely. You're far less likely to be able to mm. compete in the Premier League. You know, there's a, a pall of depression hangs over the city because of what you've done. So there's a you know there's a price for all that, but it is inevitable at some point that Mo Salah will play in the Saudi League. I think. The hard shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk.